0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pet Talk Podcast, the official podcast of Alicia Pet Care Center. Alicia Pet Care Center is a veterinary hospital in Mission Viejo. That's Southern Orange County, California. And we are excited right now because our podcast is, well, we've said this before, and let's be honest, it's very busy in our hospital. It's difficult for us to pull time from our staff and especially our veterinarians to get a lot of these recorded. But One of the things we're really big on for our clients is educating on so many different issues. Veterinary medicine is so vast and even just dealing with dogs and cats like we do here at our animal hospital, there's so many different things, so many different issues just between those two species. So we feel like the podcast is an excellent way for anybody to tap into some of these different subjects, hear the thoughts and all of the different angles from our doctors, from our owner, and to be able to discuss these topics at length. And one of the really big things for us, we feel like we understand and empathize with our clients who are in an exam room, who are in the middle of their day, whatever that day may mean for them. You know, some of you are rushed and some of you have your kids and you're a little bit distracted in the room when our doctors are trying to discuss whatever plans for treatment or things that are going on with your pet. So this gives us an excellent opportunity for you to be able to come and listen at your leisure and re-listen, rewind maybe even while you're listening, take notes and to really be able to dig into these issues all the more so than when you were here in our hospital. So we feel like this is a great valuable tool and we are pushing ahead in a massive way with our podcast in the year of 2019. We have a ton of topics on a board for our doctors to be weighing in on and we absolutely welcome you to give us more of those. We'll tell you at the end of the episode the best ways to reach out and contact us. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the office manager and the media manager and the host of the podcast. And I'm very excited to welcome you to this episode, not only because of its educational value for all of you, but because it just really was fun to record this episode with Dr. Matthew Wheaton. And this episode's title is exactly what it is. It is all about the poop. It's one of the things that you'll hear I think a little frequently in this hospital, definitely if you're talking with Dr. Wheaton and your pet's poop, it really can be a peek into what your pet's health level may be, what may be going on, not just with their diet either. So. There's a lot of interesting information in this episode. We get a little goofy. We kept it pretty loose, so I hope that format doesn't throw you off a little bit. I hope you enjoy this and maybe even laugh a little while you're listening. And we have quite a few um, shout-outs to give at the end of this episode to some of our clients and other people. We asked the question on our social media because of this episode of what do you call your pet's poop? So we will have a bunch of those answers following the episode and some actual names that we are gonna throw out of those pet parents and the pets themselves. So if you sent something in, you may hear your name on this podcast at the end of the episode. This is not an episode that you just wanna throw in a paper bag and throw into the dumpster. This is nothing you wanna flush down the toilet. This is good stuff. So make sure that you check out this entire episode and share it with some friends. Let's dig right into the poop without any further ado with Dr. Matthew Wheaton. All right, and we are here again today for another episode of Pet Talk Podcast with the owner and chief of staff of Alicia Care Center, Dr. Matthew Wheaton. Welcome, Dr. Wheaton. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. You're welcome. I welcome you. And we welcome all of you to listen to us today talk about poop. And we are going to really let it out. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, it's going to be flowing today. Yeah, we're going to let the poop fly. We are maybe going to fling it like monkeys.
1: Mm, Probably not. We're going to put the kibosh on that we're gonna talk about it
0: we are gonna talk a lot of poop and you know we're gonna keep it as clean as we can for you (laughs) might get a little dirty but um we'll make it as medically sound as possible so if you're listening to this in your convertible while you're driving and stop next to somebody they're not going to give you some kind of stink eye stink eye that's Mm, a poop kind of good job
1: I am going to keep this light enough that kids will be able to participate in this podcast. So there is no um, black box warning on this.
0: Yes, no little red E no. of explicit warning. So tell us all about the mysteries behind poop and their pets fecals.
1: <laughs> oh, I think it's it's kind of a big topic for dogs and cats, an important one on the veterinary side, an important one. For for health to know what's normal and what's not. And that's kind of the goal of today's podcast is to get you up to speed on that. And I think we start off in kind of a weird place because at least for me, there's a little bit of variance, not to get too personal, but there's a bit of variance in every person on their poop consistency. And it's knowing when you are falling outside of the normal variance. I guess is one of the important points that I want to make. So as I tell my clients a lot, when they ask about gastrointestinal health, choice of diet, um, how to assess whether their dog is healthy or not, or certain certain goals that they might want to do different philosophies and feeding, it's all about the poop. It really is all about the poop. So if you, have a pet that's not having the correct consistency of poop, you got to change the diet. It's like kind of a no brainer there, but it's, it sometimes takes a little while for owners to do that. So I think most importantly, we'll start off with normal. So normal poop for a dog and cat should be a firm, well-formed stool. Color is not really all that important, but you know, occasionally there's like if you have this strange color of poo for an extremely long period of time and and excuse me i'm going to make sure that that everybody understands when i say you i am talking about the pet so the whole time today i'm going to say that all the time but when you have stool that is firm but not hard and has a segmented appearance and there's really no residue on the ground that is a normal poop That's what we should see pretty much every single day. We should see it every day and we should certainly see it every poop. So there's some, you know, sometimes daily variants and things. So that's what you're looking for. And there's lots of ways to get out of the norm. And there's not necessarily one particular diet that's going to get that accomplished in every single pet. They're all, everybody's a little bit different. There's some universal things that we can point to that are more likely than not to make things go one direction or the other, but that's, that's what you're looking for. And I think if you get out of that zip code, let's say on the consistency, then you have an abnormal poop. That means the intestines and or stomach theoretically, but mostly it's the intestines are, are maybe not right. And if you start to see some patterns, then maybe you have a pet who is not right more than just a tiny bit of the time. And those are things that you don't want to overlook because what's going on to make the stool abnormal is not going to go away on its own. If it's taking longer than say a week, I mean, it would be one thing if you had soft stool, you know, maybe two or three times per week, but that should only go on for one or two weeks. I mean, why would that continue to keep going on that every single soft stool is that particular pet? telling you that they're not entirely right with their poop and that means with their intestine so those are important things to make and so when we are told about things early on in the course of the disease process whatever that may be we have a much better chance of getting early intervention uh, an easier way out of things so when we wait too long to report illnesses to our veterinary team, that just, it sets the pet up for having a harder struggle. Um, Sometimes people really live in that place of hope. And again, it's fine to do that for a certain amount of time. But when we're working on multiple weeks going by or months or potentially even years, honestly, with some of these dogs that we see.
0: So with regards to what is, what you were describing as like a good poop, I know somebody who has two cats and they have one cat that is sounds like a good pooper and their other cat, I guess they kind of have that soft serve ice cream kind of poop intermittently. So, okay. What's the story with that?
1: Well, the story with that is that we are not going to have ice cream tonight for dessert. Now that you have said that. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. thank you. Gosh, dang it. That is, it just ruined my dessert tonight. My, my ideas of going down to thrifty ice cream or
0: (laughs) I'm, I've helped, I've helped your body.
1: Okay. You're welcome. Okay. Um, well, so that soft serve poop is oftentimes not called diarrhea by people. So that, that's kind of our first thing I think that we should make sure that we understand. Diarrhea is kind of a bad term. It's really a bummer because people think that unless it's liquid, like straight up liquid stool, it's not diarrhea. And I don't even know what, what, what is the definition of diarrhea, Timothy? Can you look that up while we're doing this? I will, but diarrhea, I'm going to define it as a loose stool. And there's gradations of that. That's going to go from complete liquid to kind of a soft unformed ish stool. You know, that soft serve ice cream kind of thing is, is definitely not normal. So we shouldn't see that ever.
0: So diarrhea, as its definition on Google is loose, watery bowel movements that may occur frequently and with a sense of urgency.
1: Okay, so I don't know then what what the definition of a soft stool really, like, what's the word for that? I'm not sure. But I'm going to say it's mild diarrhea. And it's not normal, that's for sure. So it's again, it's about trends. It's about time courses. You know, does your pet have soft stool for a day and then get better and everything is completely cool for six months. And then there's another soft stool episode. And I mean that that's fine. No big deal. We're not going to do anything for that. I don't think there's any consequence of that. And that doesn't speak to, you know, some underlying condition that we need to address or worry about, but a, Day to day, kind of mildly not formed stool could potentially be a symptom of intestinal parasites or uh, inflammatory bowel disease. That's our our most common problem in dogs and cats. Cats maybe not as much as dogs, certainly on the inflammatory bowel disease side. But that's that's a whole nother podcast. Look for that in the future. That's going to be a good one. Oh yeah. But anyways. That soft stool is not normal. Of course, a more soft stool than that, that's not really formed, that's kind of like a plop, that is also not normal. That's kind of a moderate diarrhea. And then a severe diarrhea, liquid, it's not okay. All of those things are gonna get you to the vet eventually, right, so the the very liquidy poop, I'll tell my clients, you know, if nothing else is going on, the dog is wagging its tail, you're gonna wait no more than 48 hours to bring your dog to the vet. So once you're working on the in that 72 our window. I mean, a lot of people come in before that, because quite honestly, it's not fun. Potentially, the dog's defecating inside the house. Potentially, if it's cats defecating outside the box, it's super stinky, the dog is uncomfortable, the kitty is not happy about things. And you all might be waking up in the middle of the night to deal with this urgency kind of situation. And so sometimes you don't get the opportunity of sort of trying to wait it out. But Anyways, you're getting that 72 hour window, you need to be coming to the vet for some help. And we generally don't get too crazy um, with a bunch of tests or whatever at the beginning of this, if it's a first episode or it's kind of a one-off episode, we generally will you know, take it in stride and see it for what it is. It's an upset stomach that's causing diarrhea and we've got treatment for that that's very reliable. That oftentimes involves an injection Um, typically of an antibiotic that's targeted towards the intestine and then a combination of antibiotics and probiotics going home. Now, I think we should talk about this briefly because this is common for us to do this and it's uh, occasional for people to have questions about it, but why would we use antibiotics? So oftentimes getting scientific on this very, you know, fun topic of poop, oftentimes when you have diarrhea, you're, you're dealing with multiple things going on at the same time. So there's typically a flux in your gut bacteria and something sparks it, right? So it's either a parasite or inflammation, or it could potentially be a virus. Um, It could be a diet change. Your gut's got a lot of stuff going on. So the bacteria are relatively sensitive to their environment that you're providing for them on a consistent basis. And when you alter that by changing the pH or changing the temperature or causing a bunch of inflammatory cells to rush in there. Any of those things are going to potentially change the gut bacteria. You additionally, usually have a change in motility. So your gut motility is kind of, it's like a, a wave pool in a way. It's It's got these very rhythmic contractions that are kind of going at a set pace. There may be some degree of at least in people, I know this to be true for sure that like while you're sleeping, you're doing a lot of digestion, you know, you're, you've got kind of a rhythm that's going and that rhythm gets altered massively when you have a diarrhea situation. So that's going really fast usually. Um, so the, the rhythm could be kind of haphazard, weird, and then oftentimes it is sped up. And if it's speeding up the rhythm of the gut, things are going to get pushed a lot faster. You're going to have potentially a lot of Intestinal discomfort too, because there's a lot of nerves associated with the intestine and when it's moving around really fast or it's getting dilated by gas, that does not make the nerves happy. So you're going to get some discomfort there, bloating feeling, and you know, just that you want to curl up into a ball kind of feel. And you're also, when you're moving really fast, you're not going to be able to have the body take up the water from the ingesta that is soon to be poop. And so if it can't get the water back up into the system, absorbing that water out, then you're going to have a much more watery stool and then we're off to the races with diarrhea. Right? So some other things that you might see with an altered stool consistency is all the other stuff that typically goes along with intestinal inflammation and an upset stomach, which could be blood, So you might see fresh blood that's pretty common because a lot of times our dogs are dealing with colitis, which is inflammation of the colon. Our cats will do this too. Dogs do it quite a bit with stress. Cats don't do it quite often with stress. Their, their stress organ is usually their urinary bladder, but occasionally a cat will dump stress into their colon. And this is not like a long-term chronic stressor, by the way, we see this occasionally in borders. We see it sometimes in, uh, even actually in, in a situation where a dog, gets left behind in its own environment with a pet sitter. That's, you know, an environmental change like that's pretty stressful for a dog. So they may put that stress into their colon, get a little stress colitis, intestinal parasites. Giardia really is very common for this to cause gastrointestinal distress. And mainly that plays out in the colon Then the colon's inflamed. So you may see blood there because the inflammatory cells When they are going in and attacking whatever, they oftentimes will kill off some of the cells that are there, the normal intestinal cells, and those are going to bleed when they're undergoing damage. So you may see blood ending up in the stool, which when it's red blood, we know that it's coming from the colon because it doesn't have time to digest that blood. Whereas if there was blood coming in the stomach or the upper small intestine, the intestine will be partially digesting that blood and it wouldn't pass through red. It would be more black or kind of a dark purple. We oftentimes will see mucus. That'll look kind of like KY jelly or snot. It's pretty gross, but oftentimes you'll see mucus with that kind of colitis episode. And that can sometimes throw people off too. Occasionally we get mucus without really a super abnormal poop. So sometimes we'll get a little mild colon inflammation. Um, sometimes those dogs are actually fiber responsive. So that's where your pumpkin play comes out. A lot of people listening to this probably you know, know that Pumpkin's a great fiber source that you can easily obtain. You can use canned pumpkin from a grocery store and that's not a bad play to make on your first day of diarrhea. If you really wanted to kind of um, do something at home, that's probably one of the things that I would, you know, universally give a thumbs up to because nobody's going to get harmed by that. But you certainly might see mucus sometimes that'll look like a casing on a sausage. Mm. It's kind of weird. Sometimes it's super gross it looks literally like somebody had a pneumonia or something and they coughed up a bloody loogie and that's what's on the poop i mean the pictures that people text me um my my good friends i I, we actually do really like pictures of poop when the patient is being presented for diarrhea or if there's a chronic diarrhea issue or chronic soft stool issue we really we really would benefit from that kind of documentation so that's a wonderful thing about technology and cell phones now is you can easily take a picture of that and then we don't have to guess at whatever and I don't have to show you pictures that you have to you know select out of like a police lineup or whatever of what your dog's poop looks like
0: and we've also ruined sausage for people in this episode now too sorry
1: we're probably gonna do that with um, (laughs) a few more things so one of the other things that you would see potentially in a colitis episode besides blood and mucus and soft stool is straining to defecate. And this definitely throws people off quite a bit. We have people come in quite often that think that their pet is constipated. And they might have already given something which we really do not recommend y'all doing. But sometimes people think that the dog is constipated because it's sitting there straining to defecate and not much is coming out just a bit of a uh, small bit of liquid, very small amounts of liquid poo potentially, or mucus. And if that happens, that frequently is coming because the rectum is irritated as well. And the rectum when it's inflamed or undergoing some degree of damage is going to be sending all these messages to the brain that it has to do its thing. This is the same kind of situation as I'm sure we have all been in at one point or another, I can think of, um, one of my last trips to Sayulita, Mexico. I love that place, but. The norovirus is real and oh my gosh.
0: Let's just say that one of my favorite rides at Knott's Berry Farm is Montezuma's Revenge.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's a great way to ruin a vacation I'd say. But yes, I can definitely remember sitting there just potentially sitting on the toilet for like 15 minutes doing really nothing. But my colon keeps telling my brain like you've got to poop but nothing's coming out. Okay. Lot very of, a lot of TMI going on here today. But anyways, you, you do kind of have an ability of sort of looking at your own experience. And I don't know, it's not really anthropomorphizing, but looking at your pet's experiences through your own experience. And again, if you're eating, you know, wasabi today and what is it called the super, super, super hot ghost chili sauce or, um, anything like that tomorrow. Yeah. You're probably not going to have normal poo, but, but your dog and cat is not doing that. So don't get thrown off by your crazy diet and your potential gastrointestinal distress being the normal thing to expect for your dog or cat. Most of the time they're eating similar diets almost all the time. So they really shouldn't have a lot of variants. Why would they have variants in their poop if they're eating the same dang thing every day?
0: That language is rough.
1: (laughs) I mean, really that so be logical, you know, don't freak out necessarily. That's not what I'm saying, but be a good historian for us as well. So, you know, minimizing the, the problem that the pet has doesn't really do the pet any good because it's not really telling the right story to the veterinarian. So I'm going on and on and about that, but that is kind of a colitis synopsis for you all. So I I want to talk about something that's kind of interesting. It's a study that was done in cats that I think people get their mind blown a little bit when I tell them. So I'm gonna take an opportunity to tell this story right now. And I will also use it to plug our upcoming future podcast on cat food, okay? Mm hmm cat food and feeding your cat, you know, the basics of nutrition for a feline, but it's a study that was done with cats and dry food versus canned food. And they looked at stool consistency and the weight of the stool, which relates to how much water content is in the stool. And the heavier the stool is, the more water content is going to be in there, which means the more loose it is right.
0: Uh, yes, I would think if it is wetter, it is looser.
1: Ding, 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 ding. Good. You're right. Okay. So what do you think, Timothy? Which Which one? Which one is going to have more water in it? A cat that's eating canned food or a cat that's eating dry food?
0: So because it's got the word dry in it, I'm going to go with canned food. You're wrong. Ooh.
1: (laughs) Oh, mind blown. Okay. Let me explain it to you. Yeah. Okay. So cats are water eaters. They are not water drinkers. So let's start there. If we want to just talk about briefly the quick hit, so you can avoid listening to this entire upcoming podcast. Don't do that. We don't, don't want do them that. to do that. Don't do that. But the quick hit is cats are water eaters. They have to eat their water. If they don't eat their water, they have to drink their water and they suck at drinking water. So they don't do it well. So they're borderline dehydrated all the time. So, If a cat is eating dry food, here's what happens. The dry food goes in. It sucks a bunch of water towards it like a sponge. Cats have an extremely fast transit time in their gut because they are strict carnivores. You don't need to ferment animal protein very long in the gut to digest it. Hmm. So their gut has evolved with them to be strict carnivores. So they have a really fast transit time through their gut. What happens with a dry food is it makes it out of the stomach before it's actually sucked all the water towards it from the body. It's going to puff up to kind of like a maximum capacity, just like a sponge would. And that's, you know, a factor of science, osmolality it's called. So your water wants to always kind of be equal throughout. So if you have something that's really dry next to something really wet, it's going to pull the water towards it and they're going to equal out right? That's kind of osmolality in a nutshell.
0: It sounds like a band ozomotely.
1: Ozomotley, Yes. I wonder how their stool is. (laughs) Anyways. So what happens is a cat will get it out of their stomach into their small intestine, and it is still sucking up water from the body through the intestine. It makes it midway down the small intestine. It's still potentially sucking water towards it. And then by the time the cat's trying to now get the water back because that's a thing, the cat and dog and person, we're all sucking water out of our gastrointestinal tract into our body to retain it so that we stay hydrated. Hmm. But a cat is now having this very moist water laden sponge coming down its pipe too fast for the body to actually suck the water back up. And so the poop comes out and is kind of watery and it's more wet. Even if it's formed, it's more wet than a canned food cat. So in the canned food cat story, the cat brings the water in with the food, it's in the stomach and it doesn't really draw a lot of water towards it. It's already like potentially at equilibrium because a lot of the canned foods come in at about 70% water content. The body's about 80% water content, 77%, something like that. So there's not a lot of equilibrium that has to be attained there. And so the cat relatively quickly, at least by the time it's in the small intestine, is already able to start sucking that water out. And making that poop into a firm poop. my cat has incredible poop, I'll have you know, by the way. He eats Zeewee Peak, which is 100 percent animal, canned food, and he has just these incredible poops. He, he's like extremely normal. He's the picture of health. Hmm. So anyways, that's kind of a mind-blowing concept for people that, you know, is an important note to take, um, that they're just going to be more healthy if you feed them the right way, and again, plug for that future episode. Another thing that I want to talk about is kind of the opposite thing is when poop gets too hard. So that's, that's a thing, you know, that's going to cause constipation because the poop is too firm. And we deal with this in cats and dogs in sort of different stories. So dogs, let's start with dogs first. They're a little more simple. Pretty much we're not going to deal with constipation in dogs. It's extremely rare. So Unless you are feeding a particular type of diet, it's very unlikely that you will ever have your dog be constipated. It's even more rare that your dog would ever need treatment for constipation. In over 20 years of doing this, I really can't think of a dog without some kind of pathology in its colon or rectum that had to have an enema as a treatment for being constipated. So if your dog is constipated, there's usually a really, really big problem going on back there. So anyways, if you think your dog is constipated, go to the vet. But oftentimes, like I was saying, people, unless they hear this podcast, they're going to think that their dog is constipated when it's actually having diarrhea and frequently having colitis and it's straining to defecate. So we're talking again about a very, very hard poop. So in a dog, the reason why you would typically deal with that is a dog that's fed a raw diet that's almost all animal content and especially if you're putting a bunch of bone in the diet that's an even bigger reason to get constipated because the bone it's not entirely digestible so it's it's going to the dogs are going to do their best with it if it's a uncooked bone they're you know they're they're built to digest bones but it's just a lot right they wouldn't be eating half of the diet is going to be bone. It's going to be a very small amount that they would actually normally eat. So the dogs now will feed, will eat what you feed them. Right? So if you feed them a big, huge bone with a small amount of food, whatever that is, they could potentially get constipated with that. I've seen some bone constipated dogs that, you know, have needed to be anesthetized to actually get that wad of bony stuff out of their colon safely. That's not, that is not nice. I mean, that seriously is like so sad. But anyways, I would say for anybody that's feeding raw, be careful. Uh, You know, I'm not going to go crazy on the raw people. I, I don't really have a problem with it. Don't kill me, everybody. But I really don't have a problem with it as long as the poop is okay. And most of the time it is. But sometimes the poop from those raw fed dogs will be a little bit too dense. So there's just, you know, there's no fiber in there. And... There's not a lot of kind of partially digestible filler, if you want to call that. But, you know, there's no fruit, vegetable fiber, that kind of stuff that's going to add to the bulk of the poop. And so you have this really nicely digested food item that just has very little residue left. So the poop is really compact and there's not a lot to it except for just the remnants of that broken down protein. And so you're going to have these really, really rock hard poops. So be careful of that. Oftentimes that needs a, you know, a bit of a diet change to rectify that. And you can do that with, you know, various things by adding pumpkin or by just adding a little bit of some other diet to your raw if you're doing that. In a cat, it's a totally different scenario. So we don't really deal with raw fed cats having hard poops. So that's not really a thing in kitties because remember they're strict carnivores. So it's, it's normal for them to eat that kind of diet. But we do see constipation in cats from a couple different reasons. We get the old cat. Usually it's old that has some kind of condition, usually chronic kidney failure that makes them lose too much water from their system in their urine and keeps them clinically maybe mildly dehydrated a lot of the time. And if they have that, then they're just dry. And their poop is going to just get the liquid so with chronic kidney failure these cats will be clinically dehydrated a lot of the time and they're gonna suck as much water from any place that they possibly can to stay as close to hydrated as possible it's it's again it's simple science it's it's just the the water basically wants to go from the dry thing to the wet thing to maintain equilibrium. And so they will suck this water out of the poop in their colon. And then the poop will be very, very dry and small oftentimes in these cats. And they're just not moving their bowels very well because they're just kind of dried up. It's just not so great. So if you hydrate those cats, they actually get back to normal pretty quickly. So you got to keep them hydrated. That oftentimes for the chronic kidney failure cat requires you to be doing fluids underneath the skin, subcutaneous fluids at home, certainly doing a canned food diet again, because if they start with a watery food source, they're much more likely to be set up correctly. That's one version. And then the second version is the cat that has something called mega colon. And this does not happen in a dog, really. It's extremely rare for it to happen in a dog, but in a cat, it can happen. It's not so fun. They get this big floppy non-functional basically colon and it's just a bag that just stores poop and it is inevitably going to lead to that cat developing not only constipation, but something called obstipation. And so the difference between those two things are a constipated individual in theory, if they try hard enough, they're going to be able to get it out. They don't necessarily need significant intervention to resolve them. The obstipated cat, it's going to die if it doesn't get fixed. So it's got a complete intestinal obstruction due to fecal matter sitting in its colon. And if it doesn't get resolved, it's going to just basically die of toxicity due to not being able to defecate. Hmm. So those cats are going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be straining to defecate. They're going to be acting the same as a constipated cat, but what's going to happen on physical exam is that they have this humongous tube uh, full of poop. And I mean, really humongous I mean, these these colons can get like three to four inches in diameter and the poop is oftentimes the consistency of clay like hard clay so those cats require an anesthesia to allow for us to do multiple enemas and digitally with a glove on get the poop out of there um, it's one of my favorite procedures to do on a cat no joke no joke it is it is so rewarding Uh, in fact i have been known to take other people's cases for them and really from my perspective from them Um, they're oftentimes happy to give them up but i just love doing this instant gratifications like mowing your lawn you know you get this really really weedy lawn and you go out there and you work for an hour and you're all sweaty and it looks amazing same kind of thing 15 minutes 20 minutes in i have completely fixed that cat it's empty as can be squeaky clean. And I just feel so good about myself. I feel like a hero in those moments dealing with a mega colon cat, brief addendum on the mega colon cat. Sometimes they're difficult to manage with medicine diet plays a role and uh, stool softeners and that kind of thing. But we, we frequently struggle with those kitties and they can receive a surgery to remove most of their colon um, it's called a subtotal colectomy where the, the vast majority of their colon is surgically removed. And uh, that typically resolves a problem in the cat. Uh, occasionally, you'll get a cat that kind of pushes the issue beyond that, but it's pretty rare. Most of the time, it's one and done after the surgery is is performed. So I don't know what else to say about poop. Um, let's see. So color doesn't matter all that much. I think I said that at the beginning. Frequency. I guess we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it's abnormal for a dog to poop four times a day. Oh, here's a good point. If the dog goes out on a walk and it poops one time and you're like continuing to walk, let's say you walk for two miles, certain dogs, they, they get stimulated on a walk. So that dog might poop three or four times. And by the fourth time, that poop is probably going to be a little bit soft. I don't see that as an abnormal finding in, in that circumstance. Um, Whereas if your dog is going outside into your yard and it poops twice and the second poop is relatively soft, that's not normal. I mean, that dog should be able to poop twice and have still normal consistency of the poop. Anyways, that's a frequent thing that confuses people a little bit, But not to worry if you're, you know, a long walker and the dog is a multiple pooper. One thing that's not normal is a huge volume of poop being produced. And this we can see in a condition called exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, Hmm. E P I. So that's a condition where the pancreas loses its ability to produce digestive enzymes. That is the exocrine function of the pancreas. Whereas the endocrine function of the pancreas is to produce hormones, but the exocrine part produces digestive enzymes. If that part fails and that happens with EPI, You then don't have an ability to digest your poop. Whoop. Whoa. Whoa. What are you Hello. You don't have an ability to digest your food. And so you have this situation where the poop is extremely voluminous and sometimes is pretty moist, but it's not usually straight up diarrhea. It's usually kind of a cow pie consistency poo. And these... These patients that have this most of the time, this is dogs and most of the time, quite honestly, it's German Shepherds, but these dogs are ravenous. These dogs are thin underweight, typically producing loads of poop. Oh boy. (laughs) And there's the ready we're looking for. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. And they are hungry like the wolf they really are so hungry because they are not digesting their food. So otherwise the dog might still be looking okay. It, it, it oftentimes fools people for a while. So this is not unusual for us to see that dog coming in after two to three months of doing this at home. We don't want that dog to wait that long by the by, but it's not unusual to hear this story playing out for weeks or months. And sometimes it's because we're seeing cases as a second opinion, which we frequently do, but, you know, Anyways, it's not something that you want to overlook for a long period of time, especially if you have a German Shepherd. So the German Shepherd people out there, hear me now, get pet insurance first of all, look for the exocrine pancreatic insufficiency symptoms that I just talked about, and be aware that your German Shepherd is also one of the highest risk breeds for inflammatory bowel disease, which in a dog is typically going to produce intermittent soft stool, potentially nausea. Oftentimes, that comes in the form of just not wanting to eat perfectly, being a little bit of a finicky eater, um, maybe the intermittent vomiting. Most of the time, it's a stool issue in a dog. So, I think we've I think we've hit on a lot of poopy parts of poop. Oh, the poop and the poop. I'm
0: picturing that poop as the poop emoji poop. Is that kind of what you're talking about with that
1: exocrine pancreatic yeah, insufficiency yeah. dog? Yes. So, yeah, the EPI dog kind of has that poop emoji poop. Big piles.
0: Yeah. So if your dog is pooping and it looks exactly like what you're sending. (laughs) If you're seeing
1: poop emojis, yeah, then yeah, you've got a problem. Especially if there's a smiley face on it, like those, Mm -hmm. you go to the vet
0: immediately. There should not be googly eyes in your dog's poop.
1: Definitely not.
0: Or your cat's poop. Yeah. I think we've, I was trying to think of a pun there and I, I'm just constipated.
1: I, I, I am just, (sighs) I'm tired. I'm just straight up pooped. Oh, boy. Well, this
0: this episode has been brought to you by Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash, as well as Hungry Like a Wolf by Duran Duran, <laughs> which you just brought up. Plenty of music to oh uh, go and listen to while you are not eating soft serve ice cream, sausages, bones, or letting your children play with clay.
1: Yes, true. <laughs> especially without gloves. Yeah.
0: So, all right. Well, thank you, Dr. Wheaton, for really laying it all out there for us, mm. getting it all out of your system.
1: That was great. I feel so much better now.
0: Yeah, I, I feel the way that you were describing. I feel very accomplished and proud. <laughs> I don't think anybody else wanted to get their gloves on and pull this episode out of you.
1: Literally. Oh, Just gosh. You. Good yeah. job. Good job tying it all thank together. You.
0: Thank you all for sticking with us on this episode.
1: And coming out the other side.
0: Yeah, we came out through the other side for sure. So keep your eyes open for those other episodes that we talked about recording because we are on a roll now and we are definitely um, getting a good, solid output of podcast episodes now. We need a bell or a kazoo or something for this episode. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay, and that is the end of our talk about it being all about the poop with Dr. Matthew Wheaton. I hope you all enjoyed that. And like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, let's talk a little about some of the different poop names that some clients and various other people sent into us via social media. Uh, we had Pooty from Lori with Sadie Pooty. Uh, we also had Duty, which was Melanie with Bruce and jojo and trinity those are her three pets that all make duties um we had duke from amy we had dukey from adriana with koa and tracer um let's see doodles from kelly um and those are not drawings i'm assuming her pets are actually making poop not drawing with them and let's see, we had poo poo from Delaney with Nana and Sky. We had poopy, a lot of people with poopy. We had Chris with Riley, Brittany with Kara, Cooper, and Mila, Denise with Murphy, and Zoe and Maxie's mom. All of those pets are making poopy right now. We had an expletive, that word that we beeped out by Dr. Wheaton. Sue and Marianne both called in and said that that was the word that they used for their pets. Um, we had a pooters, which was a new one. Um, Layla with Bambi and Chloe, Bambi and Chloe, both making pooters. Potty is pretty standard. Debbie, Carrie, and Linda with Charlie all, they all call that potty. Um, we had a business from, uh, Karen with Bonnie and Clyde, Gracie Lou and Sweet Pea. Those are all her pets names. Um, we had, two people actually talk about presents and um, I responded to one of them on social media and said we are not inclined to give them our birthday dates um, if this is what presents are but that was Mel and also Melinda with Frankie and Liesl Let's see, what else did we get? We also got pebbles or logs, uh, quote unquote, depending on the size of them, from Gianna. We had, uh, oh, this is a good one, Sneezy. Um, And this is a quote from Kyle. He said, Rocco gets sneezy when he has to poop. So I always say to him, are you going to get sneezy? And he starts sneezing and doing his business. So that's a a good one. Richard and Sherry with Chewy and Taz both said um, that they just call him poop. Shannon with Buster and Latte, she calls them monsters, which is fantastic and also a little scary. I hope they're not ginormous things that she is dealing with, but maybe they are. Cheryl with Jake the Furry Monster, she said they call them seeds. And she said she knew it was weird. So any of you raising your eyebrows right now, she's aware of that. And finally, one of our favorites, um, basically because my Grammy used to always have this and it's just you know, if you're a cat owner and you know of this candy, it's very common that Brian with his cats Confetti and Cringer they call them almond roca. So make sure you double check when you're eating almond roca at grandma's house. If she has cats, everybody, I will just give you that little reminder. Um, we do appreciate you all listening to the Pet Talk podcast. We are very excited, again, like I said at the beginning, to be bringing you lots more episodes coming out this year. So make sure you keep your eye out for those. You can double check on our website for the podcast, which is www. Dot pet which is also our twitter handle for the podcast which is at pet talk podcast we are everywhere for the animal hospital also on facebook it's just alicia pet care center and on instagram on twitter on snapchat even you can find us as apcc vet If you need to tell a friend that they have to hear this episode that's all about the poop, make sure you let them know if they're on an Android device, they can listen to us on Stitcher Radio or the Google Play app. And if they are an iDevice user, they can just go right to that native Apple podcast app, that little purple app that's on your device automatically. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We hope you got a kick out of this one. And The next one may not be as fun, but we are going to try our best to make it at least extremely educational for you. So keep your eye out for that in the next few weeks or so. Thanks a lot.